Hi, TPC listeners. Before you listen to this episode, we wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded ahead of the Frank Lampard news. We will be releasing a special episode covering our reaction to the news and the future for the club and Frank Lampard. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. And this week, he may actually be excited. Hey, Rahul, how's it going? Hey, Jackie, how are you? I already hear the excitement in your voice, so I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited. I'm not overly excited, but I'm just happy. Yeah, <laughs> me too, my friend, me too. So we had a early, early morning kickoff this uh, Sunday, and we actually played Luton Town, and we won! Which is exciting because lately that has not been the case. <laughs> it hasn't, and it made it worth the early morning kickoff. Absolutely. So why don't you take us through the game and we can kind of get jumped into this one because for the first time you'll hear a lot of excitement in our voices. Yeah, it's a little sad because it's Luton Town, but <laughs> hey, when the winds aren't coming, you got to take them when they do. Absolutely. So it was an interesting lineup in that Lampard finally changed things up a little bit. I know he tried to in the Leicester game, but everything fell apart in the early goal. So he tried again and was was richly rewarded by the performance and by the result. So he started with Kepa in goal, and we'll get into Kepa's performance in a little bit. Uh, Reese James started like we expected him to. We, we thought he would play and get that bad performance against Leicester out. Uh, Christensen and Zuma came in as we expected, and Emerson, who gets a game again, which was good to see. Ziyech, Billy Gilmore finally starts, Mason Mount, Captain Mount, I should say, in midfield, and Pulisic on uh, on the left. And up front, Timo Werner and Tammy, Tammy Abraham. So I will say that we here at the TPC actually got the back four and the goalkeeper spot on. But then Frank Lampard threw a wrench in the rest of the design, which I'm okay with, actually. And a question for you is, did we play a 4-4-2 or did we play a 4-2-3-1? It was very hard to see. I couldn't really tell exactly what we were doing today. Yeah, it was. I think in attack, it was a 4-4-2. And in and while defending, it, it kind of switched a little bit, and, and it was almost a hybrid of a four-two-three-one. But hey, I'm just happy to see him trying different tactics. Yeah, and I was excited formations. to see Billy Gilmore because you have screamed for Billy Gilmore for weeks on end, and and I must say he was actually very good. In fact, after the game and and since then, Lampard has made several interviews where he thinks Billy Gilmore is the future. He's not going on alone. So exciting to see his performance. So I'll run through the game really, really quickly. I'll talk about two major things. Overall, like you said, it was Luton, but I think we deserve to be happy after the the patch that we've had. It's going to be the Tammy Abraham show, and that is strange coming from me. And a big thing to touch on was Mr. Mason Mount, who has received... A lot of criticism online actually captained his first game for his boyhood club. And that was an amazing, amazing milestone. So I want to get your thoughts just quickly on those two players before I run through the game. Hey, Hattie Abraham proving his his doubters in you wrong. And it's a second hat trick under Lampard. So he's definitely showing up. And, and what a time for him to show up in this tough period. I know against, against Luton Town... But 
he gets the hat trick and and Mason Mount richly deserved and and really deserved to be captain. I mean, Aspilicueta is club captain, like Lampard said, but in his absence and in in the absence of some of the lead other leaders, Mason Mount, who has been playing like a captain all season, I would say, and you and I have spoken about it a few months ago that he is the future captain, at least a potential, and and he really deserved it, and he played like a captain again. Yep, absolutely, no arguments there. So diving right into the game. Literally, the game started off on fire. Within the first 10 minutes, uh, Tammy Abraham scores his first goal and a lovely, lovely assist from Timo Werner himself. So the man who's been struggling for form, always exciting when he can assist. And it's a lovely cutback from the ball over the top. Timo just slides it over to Tammy and he almost passes it into the net, which is great. And then actually within another five or 10 minutes, I think it was a 17 minute exactly, Another goal from Tammy Abraham, which was a beautiful, a sublime cross even from Reese. And I want to highlight that piece because I'm giving Reese praise now and I'm not maybe towards the end of this particular um, section. But we continue on. And in the 30th minute, there's a goal from Luton for Jordan Clark. And I'm going to bring you into this particular section because the goal itself was okay, but maybe it should have not been a goal. What are your thoughts on Mr. Kappa coming back into the starting lineup? My thoughts on Kepa coming back are he deserved it. He played against Morecambe, didn't concede, didn't really have much to do in that game. Um, so he really deserved to get his spot back and, and build some confidence and maybe push Mendy. So that was good. But in the 30th minute, that goal didn't help the case or, or the, the the reasoning to start Kepa. But then he redeems himself. So... Maybe he'll just blame the snow for the first one. <laughs> so question for you then. Was that a Kappa mistake? So I'm just going to quickly review it. Jordan Clark almost passes the ball from the penalty spot-ish towards the goal. And Kappa is not quick enough to get down and put a firm hand in it, to it to stop it. So is that a Kappa mistake? Or is that from you know spurred on from the fact that he isn't playing enough games so his reaction time is kind of slow? Because you did say he kind of redeemed himself later on in the game. It's 100% a Kepa mistake. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. But like I said, it was snowing. It was slippery. It was wet. And even though it was, a, like you said, a pass from the, the penalty spot towards goal, uh, maybe he was just a little cold from not moving much before that goal came through and and didn't see it in time and it slid off the right. surface. I'm just making excuses at this point. Right. But it was a mistake. But again, he didn't let that get to him and, and pulled off some good saves later in the game. Yeah, and I think that's the good thing about what could come out of that is at least he didn't let it affect him mentally and he continued on. So really quickly, just wrapping up the whole review of the game, we controlled most of it and Tammy Abram kept trying and trying and trying. We're going to talk about him as a, as a touch point in this particular you know episode or this particular segment. But he gets his goal in the 80th minute to wrap up his hat-trick which is excellent for Tammy Abraham hopefully he can spur himself on from this but a lovely lovely assist from Callum Hudson-Odoi you know he's really really brilliant coming off the bench and just runs at players especially when they're tired and Tammy Abraham is literally on the line of the goal and just taps it in so wonderful work from him what I want to talk about is right towards the end Timo Werner running in on goal is dropped clipped down a penalty is called and I really feel for the lad because now it's another opportunity for him to get a goal. The penalty itself was okay. It wasn't the best penalty in the world, but it wasn't the worst penalty in the world. But the penalty is then saved by Simon Slugger. 
And really quickly, what does this mean for Timo Werner? I, I just don't know what to go from, you know, or what to say from here. Yeah, when it rains and pours, and that's what's happening with Timo right now, bad form, bad confidence. The one good opportunity he has from a penalty, he doesn't get it. Uh, so it's just not going for him. He scored against Leicester the other day. It was called offside. Uh, so apart from him personally suffering from a lack of confidence, he's also not getting the luck on the other side on the field. But like we said on Instagram, we've just got to support him now more than ever and and believe that he's going to show his quality and, and bounce back. Yeah, agreed, because he's one of those players that constantly runs for the entire 90 minutes. So we know we're going to give, you know, his 100% the entire game. And he also assisted. So I think it's going in the pathway that he can probably get over this hump that he's going through now. But I want to move on quickly because I always am and will continue to be a harsh critic of Tammy Abraham. And even though he scored a hat-trick today, you've already touched on it. We scored a hat-trick against Luton. But Tammy seems to miss a lot of chances. And these are not necessarily difficult chances that he's missing. He's actually missing chances from my perspective that you know, a world-class, like, world-class striker should be slotting home. And I think you've brought this point up, I've brought this point up, is that's part of his game. And I'm wondering, at what point in time does Tammy switch from this is part of my game to any chance I get that's right on goal, I'm going to bury it. And, and that's a big difference between being, like we said before, you know, a decent striker for Chelsea and a world-class Didier Drogba almost kind of striker. So just quickly, give me your feedback on that one. Yeah, that, like I, you said it. I, I said that's part of Tammy's game, and we've seen all we've seen it all season long, where he will get chances and he will mess them up or miss them or just not finish them. But then he'll turn around and, and get a goal or two in another game. So that's that's just Tammy at this age, and he's still twenty three. He's young. Uh, I think he gets better. I think he finds that consistency and 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 finishing that we think he should be having at this age. But he scored 21 goals in 52 games. So that's not a bad ratio and statistic for a young lad. Not at all, yeah. And so I think, can he do better? Absolutely. But he's young and he can only get better from here. Yeah, and that's what I want to clarify is this particular discussion point isn't to hate on Tammy Abraham. It's just to analyze his performance and see where he can get better. Now, speaking of hate, and I don't mean to transition to this with hate, is... You have been very, very complimentary of Reese James in the previous game. He was atrocious. In this game, going forward, he was absolutely a beast. I mean, from the assist to covering the overlap to any crosses he were putting in, they were great. But defensively, and there were several occasions we can touch on, was one when he was trying to clear the ball and he actually pushed it forward for a chance for Luton. And positionally, he just seemed to be off the boil a little bit. So... Where is this coming from? Is this just a confidence issue that's bleeding through the team? Or has Reese kind of lost his focus a little bit? I think it's a little bit of both. And he's missed a few games recently. And I think that's also weighing in in the fact that he may not be 100% match fit. And he's being asked to do both jobs 100%. And you can't expect that from, from any player, really. Especially someone that's got to run up the field to attack and then run back to defend. So he needs some help from the winger that's playing on that side or, or a midfielder tucking in a little bit on the right when he pushes forward. 
And and that's going to come from from the tactic, from the coaching staff trying to help him out so that he doesn't feel, oh, I've got to go make this assist up front, but I also got to run back. And that's just going to wear him out. Right. Absolutely. So just quick question for you, then. Is Reese still the first choice right back, in your opinion? I think he is. And Lampard said it, too. He played him in this game. He wanted him to get that lesser performance out of his system. And he he thought he did pretty good today. So I think... He's trying to give his first choice left, or, uh, sorry, right back the confidence, and and he knows that if he doesn't perform, there's a legend and and, and a hero in Aspilicueta waiting to take his spot. Yeah, fair argument because you know when Aspilicueta is breathing down your neck, you have to perform every game. So that's really a valid point right there. A couple of points more to discuss on this game before we move on to a couple of other games that happened is Kepa. Like you said, he had that one mistake, but I think overall he was brilliant as far as a shot stopper. I don't know if this means his career necessarily is revived, but I, for one, am excited to see him continuing in this path and maybe going in the right direction. But really where I want your opinion on is Callum. So Callum, you know, we've been very, very complimentary, just like we said about some of the other players and how he brings directness and pace and quality and tricks and and everything that comes along with being a top-class footballer. But every time we've seen Callum, for the most part, is off the bench. And when he comes off the bench, he excites us, especially in games where we're losing or coming from behind or there's a lot of pressure. And when he starts, we don't really have a lot to say about him. Not that he's bad. He just doesn't give the same ex- level of excitement necessarily. So he came on off the bench in this game and, again, assisted. Very, very exciting. Just a quick question to to kind of see your analysis on him is, is he better as a super sub for right now? I think he is, but I also have to say that he's featured in from the start against Aston Villa, who are a tough team and doing really well. And then against Leicester the other day, which again was a tough game overall for the whole squad. So I think we may not have seen him have the chances and ability to express himself from the start against a, a team that, uh, you know, may not be pushing and, 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 and attacking us like the way Villa and Leicester did. So, yes, he's very good as a sub, and I'd like to see him maybe against like a Fulham when we, we played and he came on and did better. I would have liked to see him start that game. So I think moving forward against... No disrespect, but I say this with lesser against lesser opposition. Mm-hmm. If he comes on and starts a game, it may be better we see him from there than to see him play against a Leicester or a Villa or, or, or a Wolves, which is coming up. I think those games are a little tougher for him to, to play in right from the start. And obviously, I think when you play lesser opposition, as you've covered, no disrespect, it gives him a little more freedom than playing tougher teams that are going to be more compact or on the front foot. So... Absolutely valid argument on that front. The last thing I want to cover before we move on, and we talked a little bit about this just earlier, is Lampard's change in tactics or formation. So the more I watched the game, the more I thought it was a 4-4-2. I think as we look at maybe defensively or forward, whatever it may be, he switches it up between a 4-4-2 and a 4-2-3-1. And even though Warner did not score, it almost felt like he preferred having another striker that was the central focal point that he could play off of it almost felt like we were more balanced I just want to get your you know two cents on this one as to is this a changing point or turning point or is this just something we need to add to our repertoire of formations and tactics 
Yeah, I think this is a, a switch in that he's trying to get the best out of Timo Werner while obviously protecting us defensively and, and, and playing some of his preferred players in uh, Mason Mount and, and Bill, uh, Ben Chilwell when he comes back. But for Werner, he's always played a little bit with the As second, second striker. striker. Right, right. Yep. right. And he's always had Yusuf Poulsen at, at Leipzig who played as the main striker and he fed off of him. And so I think this this switch today was a little bit towards that. And him and Werner and Tammy earlier this season have always played well together. So I think he wanted to give that a shot in this game. And, and again, no disrespect to Luton. They did very well today. We've got to give that credit to them. But if he was going to try something like that, I think this was the right game to do it. Yeah, and I think long-term, I'm a huge Olivier Giroud fan. Everybody knows this on this podcast, but at the age of 34, maybe he doesn't get another season. Maybe he doesn't want to play because he wants to go somewhere else, maybe America, maybe China, you know, maybe a smaller club where he can be the man for the next season or two till he retires, or maybe pulls, you know, Ibrahimovic and goes on forever. But if that is the thinking behind Giroud and Lampard's thoughts, maybe this is the beginning of a beautiful partnership with two you know, up and coming, but also young, talented strikers. That could be the future for Chelsea. And you can add somebody as a backup in the future as we go through. But I, for one, was very impressed. I think it takes a lot of pressure off of Timo. Timo being the sole striker, everybody's looking at him to perform. And with Abraham there, and, and absolutely, absolutely Abraham performed today, it just kind of takes the eyes and pressure off of Warner, especially since he assisted his partner in crime. So... Very, very exciting. I hope he continues with this until you see some changes are required. But it's great to see, you know, he's adapting and going through the players he has and going through the formations he has. So last, last question. I know I keep saying this, but man of the match for you, is this even a question I need to ask? It's got to go to Hattie Abraham. (laughs) 100% agree, my friend. All right. So that covers the Chelsea review of this FA Cup. It was a great game. We were excited a little bit early for us. We're a little sluggish today, but why don't you take us through some of the other games and results that happened, Rahul? Yeah, so it was the fourth round of the FA Cup, and the biggest game of all was Manchester United versus Liverpool. And uh, an exciting game, a 3-2 win for Manchester United, and, and Liverpool's issues and woes continue. They They haven't won a game since December 27th. Uh, they did get goals from open play, which was which was good for them. But they lose that game, and in, in uh, after that game, I tweeted out through our account. I wonder what Klopp's record is in the domestic competitions. And so, since then, I've been informed that uh, in the four or five seasons he's been here, he's only made it through the fourth round. That is quite a shocker, given that this is the same team and the same club. Of course, he's made changes, but have won the Premier League quite convincingly, and also that have won the Champions League in fine format. So to hear that is, does he take these local competitions a little less seriously? I, for one, don't think so. I wonder if some of these local clubs have found the formula, especially since December, like you said, to unlock this Liverpool defense and this Liverpool team as a whole. Yeah, you know what it is? I think with the domestic competitions, he plays his his uh, second team, right. so-called. And and the quality in that second team is just not there yet. Uh, and so I think that's what where they suffer. And once they go out of these competitions, they just have more time and in, 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 and they're able to perform better in the bigger competitions and go, go on and win them. 
Makes sense. And a quick shout out to this man. I think we've given him a lot of shout outs on this podcast, but Bruno Fernandez, again, coming up with the goods to seal the Man United win. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and all the Man United fans must be on cloud nine because ever since they transferred this player, they have looked like a completely different Manchester United, almost like the Manchester United of old, where you never, never count them out. And he's a big, big reason for that. Yeah, totally. And he didn't even play the game today. He came on as a sub and he scores the winning free kick. That's just just who he is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's move on. City, Man City beat Cheltenham Town. And this is an interesting result in that Cheltenham were leading 1-0 till the 80th minute. And everyone was getting excited. Our City about to go out. And then City just pushed it to the next level. And, and within three minutes, score two goals and win it 2-1. Yeah, the only surprise here was that Cheltenham, Cheltenham had, you know, the lead till the 80th minute. It's interesting that Man City saved their damage for the end, but now that they've won the game and seeing that they've won the game, I can say it's no surprise. But a big kudos to Cheltenham to keep that scoreline that way till the 80th minute. But another goal for Phil Foden, who I've, you know, heaped a lot of praise on for. I wonder if he's going to be pushing some of the young talent that England have coming through and maybe even making it his his position when he goes into the, the Euros. Yeah, I was going to bring up Phil Foden too, so I'm glad you did. And, and that young man deserves a lot of praise. And, and what he's doing is is matching up to what some of the city greats were doing when they were in their prime. So he can only get better under Pep and, and hopefully for England too. And you know that Pep actually said when Silva was quote-unquote leaving Manchester City, the board, and this is all rumors and speculation, but it's something that's good to discuss, is the board actually approached Pep and said, all right, we're going to give you finances to replace the Silva position almost. And Pep looked around and said, I don't need any money. And they all looked at him and said, what? Well, we got Phil Foden sitting in the sidelines. You're going to watch what this kid's going to become. And boy, is he slowly taking up that mantle. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to another game, which was a big clash between two Premier League teams, which was Southampton and Arsenal. And I, I, for one, was excited for this game because both teams have been doing okay recently. Southampton have been playing well. Arsenal have been playing well, too. And, and Arsenal made, I think, six or seven changes. And it's weird to say that because they dropped the youngsters to bring on some of the better players in Pepe, William. And and lost the game one nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to say it's the magic of the FA Cup, because we've covered that before where the FA Cup has any sort of wins. But honestly, pretty evenly matched teams as far as Premier League level and squads go. But you highlighting the fact that they brought their senior team almost in reverse this time kind of brings up a point about players like Pepe, Willian. Those kind of guys that we've talked a little bit about, and even to some degree, Hector Bellerin, who have heard some rumors about maybe leaving the club, maybe they should be leaving the club because they're not playing the way some of the younger guys have been playing in Saka and Martinelli and all those. So I, I for one, I'm not surprised because even if Arsenal played their now so-called starting lineup, which is the youth, it's an evenly matched game. But the game ended 1-0 and wonderful news for Southampton as they progress to the next round. Yeah, exactly. And I know a lot of Arsenal fans were were complaining, why did Arteta make all these changes? He's not taking the competition seriously. So uh, I'm thankful on our side, Lampard is taking this seriously and is playing his his better players, so-called. 
and and he wants to win it and hopefully we progress and, and make it further in, into the the later stages of this competition yeah and just a quick note i don't think he's not taking it seriously because you've got your club record signing and pepe coming on you've got william who obviously came for free but is, is still a quality player you've got eddie and katia who's a wonderful striker coming through they had a decent team it's just we've always talked about I hate to use this word, but we have to use it in some cases, maybe bad blood. When you put one or two players that are really not playing for the shirt or not excited to play or have been in bad form, it kind of goes through the team slowly. So it's a little unfortunate. I think Arteta needs to sort that out and nip it in the bud because they're coming off wonderful form and hopefully this doesn't affect the rest of their form that they've had recently. I, I agree. And, and so Southampton win that game and earn themselves a game against Wolves in the next round. And I'm just going to run through a few fixtures from the next round. So it's Wolves Southampton. Manchester United get to host West Ham United. So that should be an exciting game as well. Swansea City get to host Manchester City. So if they can pull off what Cheltenham did till the 90th minute, then they, they should have a chance. And they just recently signed a, a young, or not a young, but a, a household American name here in, in, in the MLS, Jordan Morris. So wishing him all the best. He's gone there on the loan. And Leicester win as well. They, they'll play Brighton Hove uh, and Albion. And then Everton won today against Sheffield Wednesday. And if Tottenham get the business done, then it'll be Everton versus Tottenham. Yeah, great fixtures upcoming. So we will be tuned into those and just want to watch and see how that plays out. And the fifth round will be played the week of February 8th. So a quick turnaround again, a couple of weeks, and we'll be back for the FA Cup. Yeah, I love the FA Cup, so I'm excited to see that next round coming up. So let's move on, and, and we're doing something different in this episode today. It's that we've now reached the midpoint of the Premier League season. 19 games by most teams have been played. So Jackie and I wanted to do a mid-season review. We're focusing this on Chelsea, but at the end of it, we'll give you our uh, top four with the title winners as well as the relegation uh, candidate. So, Jackie, let's start with Chelsea. Uh, it started off with the with a convincing win against Brighton Hove away, and we thought, all right, you know, it's a, a start of things to come. But then it was followed up by a quick and, and disappointing loss to Liverpool at home. So, in the first five games of the season, we won two, drew two, and lost one. Yeah. It's not the best result, but also the loss came against Liverpool, so it's not the worst result. I think the word we've used here in the past is the inconsistency, and that's a good way to describe it. And really early on in that first few months of the season, I would say that it had to do with getting fitness because we were coming in through without a proper preseason, especially with the whole COVID going on and a fast season and whatnot. And also we we signed five players that really essentially came into the starting lineup. So it takes a lot of time for those players to gel. Lamps figuring his, you know, starting 11, how we're going to sort out some defensive issues. So I wouldn't say that particular part of the season made me nervous, but it was just kind of getting through the motions and getting ready for the season. Agreed. And, and we were doing okay. We were just conceding a lot of goals and that we conceded three against West Brom, three against Southampton and, and that was really what was concerning but uh, we finished that those five games in the first part of the season with you know 13 goals scored and eight conceded so we were doing okay like you said right. and and 
Lampard fixed that going into the, the second month of the season from October through November, which was it kicked off with a nil-nil against Sevilla and was quickly followed up by a nil-nil against Manchester United. And at that point, we were wondering, okay, now we've stopped scoring, we've stopped conceding, you know, what's going on? Yeah, I wasn't too worried. I was actually excited to get a couple of clean sheets just because, like you stated, 13 goals scored but 8 conceded is pretty high given the number of games we played. So I, for one, was not worried. And we actually built off of that going into the following games after those first through draws with four wins on the bounce. And not just four wins, four heavy wins, four nail, three nail, three nail, four one. We were actually going on a you know a beautiful run right there. We did. And, and I remember after the United game, uh, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, and Evra had a little discussion on, on the Sky uh, studio, and they were talking about how it was a boring game against Manchester United, and neither team wanted to win it. And, and Hasselbank said, if either of these teams push on from this game and, and go on, on a run and, and you know pick up points, then this game's going to mean literally nothing. And that's what we really saw with Chelsea. You know, Like you said, four wins on the bounce, one goal conceded in four games. Uh, it was... It was almost like Lampard was testing the waters with his new tactics, with his formation, with the players. And, and those two results gave him them the confidence to go on and push on. So we ended that second month with three Premier League games and two wins, one draw, none lost. Three Champions League games, because Champions League games started in that period as well. And it was two wins and one draw, so no losses. And no surprise that this particular period coincided with us signing Mendy who you know, just became the first-choice goalkeeper. And whether or not you've seen his recent performances, I think immediately having a goalkeeper that's different from Kepa settled nerves. And it was really the introduction or the continued play of Thiago Silva, that experience that came into the lineup. For sure. Those two definitely made a difference, at least in that period. So then we move on to the third month of the season, which went from uh, November to December. And it kicked off with a, a, a good win against Newcastle away a 2-0 win, followed up with a 2-1 win against Rennes. You might remember the last-minute goal from Giroud. Yep. A 0-0 against Spurs, which, again, at that point, Spurs were flying, and, and to get a clean sheet against them was, was a good uh, point. A 4-0 win against Sevilla, a four goals from Giroud, and we were flying top of the group, qualified for the next round, and everything was feeling good. I'm, I'm going to give you the mic after this next result. But Jackie was 3-1 against Leeds. And at that point, everything was about the title and Chelsea being, you know, one of the, the better teams in the country and what can they achieve. And since then, it's slowed down. The bubble's been burst. Uh, a draw against Krasnodar. And, and then we can just go into the losses. Good job, Leeds. No, honestly, it actually seems to be on the back of those several draws in October, November, and then going on a heavy win, almost like we burnt ourselves out trying to get through this wonderful phase of football. And I'm not sure if that's what exactly happened, but it's worth noting that we came off fine form, going off to that, you know, draw going to Krasnodar, lost to Everton, lost to Wolves, and then, you know, 3-0 versus West Ham, which was at least we thought maybe a resurgence which was the last game of that month, but it was not to be. So we went into December after this, but why don't you give us the quick synopsis of that month before we move into December? Yeah, so after that West Ham game, we moved into the festive period, like like it said, and it started off, and this loss still hurts, is the 3-1 loss against Arsenal. Uh, 
followed up by 1-1 versus Villa, which at this point doesn't seem like a bad result because Villa are flying. Uh, a 3-1 loss to City, which City are City and, and have picked up form. Uh, and then we go into the FA Cup of 4-0 against Morecambe, a 1-0 against Fulham. And then again, a, a, a disappointing loss against Leicester. And then that brings us to the game that we've just reviewed against Luton Town. So it's been very up and down, a loss, a draw, a loss, a win. It's just not been consistent at all. Yeah, and I'm hopeful as we do this review that we are slowly getting over the hump because we're looking back into where we kind of started this form was getting over the hump and getting into some draws. And so I'm hopeful that we go into the next couple of games. I, for one, don't need to see wins. I don't need to see five nail thumpings. Just getting the basics back and following the same trajectory and curve that we've seen before. And in all fairness to Chelsea and Frank Lampard, some of the losses, they were in unfortunate ways that we played the game. But the other teams on the other end were really, really good. So I'm hopeful that we can continue and pick up from where we are. And no disrespect to Luton. Hopefully that was a confidence builder and we can continue from there. I agree. And I, I thought the Morecambe was a confidence builder. So <laughs> I, I really hope we we take some confidence out of this Luton game and, and the formation tweaks and, and the tactic tweaking that he did today is something that points towards a resurgence moving forward. Uh, but we sit currently, I believe, in ninth spot. So even though we've mentioned a, a, an unbeaten run from October or late September into early December, uh, we sit in ninth now, which this last few games have really hurt us. We sit uh, five points off of Liverpool, who sit in fifth spot. So a uh, fourth spot, my bad. And so our top four ambitions are still in our control. We've just got to start getting the business done on the field. Yeah, and I think at this point, it's worth it to note that hopefully the players maybe turn off social media or the internet because at this point in the season, five points, even though it sounds like a lot, it is a lot mentally. And then you look to, towards Manchester United, that's 11-point gap, which actually is pretty nerve-wracking to think about 11 points. But we've said all along, that's not really the goal of this season is to be better than we were last season and show some better football. At times, we were. At this midpoint season review, you've seen the results, you've heard the results. We were. We played some amazing football. We've just fallen off the path. And so five points, it, it sounds daunting. It sounds scary. But we believe, we hope, we continue. And we just got to keep pushing in the right direction and, and not worry about what everybody else is saying. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and we've really come to a point. It's the midpoint like we're, we're talking about. And we're at a point where... We've got to start pushing forward and, and getting those wins. We, we've only won eight games, even though we've spoken about an unbeaten record and, and how good we've been and, and everything that we were doing well. We've only won eight Premier League games. Yeah, it's not good enough. I mean, we're not here to sugarcoat the situation. It just isn't good enough. But it's the nature of where we are. We can't sit here and complain forever. We have to just... You know, focus, move forward, and, and hopefully just springboard from where we had the result today. For sure. So that that's a quick mid-season review of Chelsea and, and our losses, our run so far, and, and the games that we've done well in and not done well in too. But let's talk about the top four, Jackie, and the title winners. So it, it's a good point. We've seen enough games now to have an idea of 
who might win it again. It's an unpredictable season, and we just don't know yet. But based on everything you've seen and everything that's gone down, who do you think wins the title? Yeah, in recent history, usually when you get to the Christmas period, you can kind of tell who's going to finish in not necessarily everywhere in the table, but potentially the top four. This is a very unprecedented season in the fact that now, yes, Chelsea are well behind Manchester United, who are the leaders. But the points, like you've touched on, between fifth and where Chelsea are ninth are not too bad. So just really quickly, current table, as it sits, is Manchester United in first with 40 points. Manchester City, second, but a game in hand with 38 points. Leicester City, third, same games played as Manchester United with 38 points. Liverpool, same games played as Manchester United and Leicester with 34 points. So assuming City win their game in hand, they're going to go to the top of the table. And you'd imagine from there, this is how it would shape out towards the end of the season. But here is my predicted top four by the end of the season. And Chelsea fans, I apologize to you right now as I look through certain things. (laughs) We'll see where this plays out towards the end of the season. But With everything I've said, keeping in mind that City have a game in hand, I think Manchester City will pull through and win the Premier League this season. It hurts me to say that. I would love Chelsea to be up there, but realistically, we knew that was not going to happen. In second place, I really believe Manchester United are changed. Now, that might fall into a different form, but I think they're going to push City all the way and they're going to finish second. For me, Liverpool are going through a blip, but I think they're going to get past it and finish in third. And in fourth, it really is a toss-up between a lot of clubs here. You've got several clubs that are so close to it. But something about our predecessor and our previous manager, Jose Mourinho, tells me he might pull something out of the bag and bring Tottenham into fourth. So it pains me to tell you this lineup, this top four, but it's kind of what it's looking to be as we go towards this half point. I can't believe you've picked Tottenham over Chelsea. (laughs) I'm disgusted. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, but why don't you tell me what your top four would be? Yeah, so I, I agree with you. City have been good recently. I know we were very critical of them. We even said there were issues in the background, but they've pulled through and, and won six, seven games on the bounce. And, and they have the experience. They have the manager. They have the players that have won titles before. So I think they pulled through and finished first. United, for me, finished second. They've been good. Again, we were also very critical of them uh, and Ole and, and their 6-1 defeat against Spurs. But they've put all of that behind them and are, are pushing right at the top. But I think they fall a little bit short and finish second. Uh, for me, Leicester will finish third. It's They've been very good and I think they've learned from last season's heartbreak where they missed out. Uh, and for them to, to do that again, I think would kind of dampen the spirits in, in, in right. the squad. Uh, and fourth place, I can't pick anyone else but Chelsea. I, 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 I'm not as ruthless as you, I guess. Uh, but I think we pull, we turn it around and we pull through and, and fight right till the end. Again, it's I think it goes down to one of the last match days in, in, in the season. And it's going to be between Spurs, Liverpool, Everton, Villa and Chelsea. But I believe in my boys and, and, and Lampard. And I think we pull it and make it through. Thank you for picking Chelsea. At least somebody on this podcast is picking Chelsea. No, in all seriousness, there's always the hope and belief. And I'm with you. If that happens, I will be the first man screaming, jumping on top of my couch. So 
hopefully that happens and we can celebrate together at the end of the season. But why don't we look at the other end of the table? Because we've already covered that this is a weird season and everybody in the middle can go anywhere at this point in time. But the other end of the table, as far as relegation goes, what are your thoughts? Who are the three teams that are going to go down? For me, the relegation is is settled in that Sheffield are are going to be one of the teams to go down. Agreed. Uh, They decided to not let Wilder go, and and that's very good on them, loyal to their their manager. and, And even if they go down, they go down. So I think that's one of them. I think West Brom gets sucked into it too. I know they hired Sam Allardyce and he's never been relegated, but I, they just don't have enough going forward. And, and unless they sign someone in the next few days of this window, I think they go down. And, and this last one is Newcastle for me. They've been very, very bad recently. I know they had some injuries in the squad, but... They just don't create enough. They don't really defend properly. They don't do anything on either end. And and I know the club as a whole is a mess from the owner down. But I don't know. Rafa Benitez kept them in the league. But Steve Bruce, I know he's a good guy. He's a good manager. But I think he just won't be able to do that. I'm a little surprised. I definitely agree with you on their recent form, and kind of how the club seems to be in disarray. I agree with you on Sheffield United. I just don't see where they're going to get out of this. I mean, it's kind of a nail in the coffin at this point. I also agree with you on West Bromwichavian. We would love to see them pull a wonderful comeback, but just based on points and how they're performing, I really don't see that. But Newcastle is a little bit strange to me. It's tough. It's really, really tough, I must say. But I think Fulham will be the last team to go down. They are significantly behind as far as five points right now from Brighton, but also do have a game in hand. Again, it's really, really tough, but I think Fulham will go down. So it's worth to note, and I love that you brought up Rafael Benitez. I wonder if Newcastle forget about signing. Maybe they switch managers during this position and bring some confidence and change in tactics and whatnot back. And it remains to be seen what will happen. Again, a lot of these teams can get pulled in, especially if Fulham go on a good run. You could get Burnley pulled into this. You could get Brighton pulled into this. And it pains me to say this. You could get Wolves pulled into this. I don't think that will happen. But it's the nature of how the Premier League is and how close some of these teams are as far as points go. I was going to say Brighton could easily get pulled into this. And their next game is against Fulham. So that's a a relegation six-pointer. But I, I, I don't think Fulham go down just because of what I've seen from them so far. I know they don't score enough. And I said that for Newcastle. But... Fulham are able to defend and at least not give up goals against the teams around them, which I haven't seen from Newcastle. So it's definitely going to be an interesting end to the season. And and if Newcastle go down, I I think that's going to be very bad for their ambitions and the owner's ambitions of selling the club. But if they make a change and and Rafa Benitez, like you said, who's just left his job in China, comes back or, or they bring someone in as a relegation expert, then they may survive. But... Right now, everything points towards them just falling further down. That's a little bit unfortunate, but we'll wait and watch. So I think that kind of wraps us up on our review, plus our mid-season review as well, which is pretty intensive in the fact that we've gone through half the season now, a lot of games covered, up and down form, 
we only have to look onward at this point. So why, Rahul, why don't you take us into the preview for the next game, which is a pretty important game for us. It's Chelsea against Wolves. And we just mentioned Wolves may get sucked into the relegation battle. So they're sitting currently in 14th spot. And even though they beat us the last time we played them, they've just not pushed on from them. They lost to Burnley. They lost to Manchester United. They've lost to Crystal Palace. And so it's just... Uh, sorry, they've lost to West Brom and Chalvian. And so it's just not gone for them. I know they're missing their main man in Rahul Jimenez. They just signed uh, William Jose, I believe. And so he, he is there, but I don't think he'll be ready for this game. So it's going to be tough. But for me, the starting 11, and we can discuss this, Jackie's Mendy's got to come back. Uh, as for Laqueta, I, it's tough for me to drop Reese James. But I think uh, given what we've seen in the last two games, he... He still needs some catching up to do in terms of fitness. Uh, so as for Laqueta, I think Lampard goes with Rudiger, but I rather prefer he go with Zuma. So a toss up there. But Silva and Benchel will keep their spot. I think he maintains the four four two. So he plays Conte and Mount in midfield with Ziyech and Pulisic on either side, and then Werner and Abraham up top. Yeah, I don't disagree with you too much on that starting lineup. It's a little bit interesting. We've discussed Rudiger versus Zuma and how when we were at the, at the best and we have a stable back four, Zuma was in it. So something has changed there. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to figure out what's changed there. But Rudiger hasn't performed horribly when called upon. So it doesn't bother me so much. We'll have to wait and see how the season plays out. I, I think the 4-4-2 or the 4-2-3-1, depending on how he sits on it, it's good to see Werner and Abraham play together, especially Abraham coming off a hat-trick. I hope that means he is raring to go because having somebody who's full of confidence, which now I'm seeing could be Abraham and Mount together, especially Mount coming off a captaincy, might spur the rest of the team on. And really, Timo Werner, I hate to put this much pressure on the guy. He needs a goal because that might change his outlook and if the four four two works, or the four two three one works, where he plays partnership with Abraham, I'm all for it. And thinking about this and how Wolves are and where we sit in the league and where they sit in the league, what do you think the scoreline will be? I, I just want to touch real quick on Abraham starting. I think he mm-hmm. has to start. I, right. I know we like Giroud, and, and he does well whenever he plays. But Lampard's got to have some consistency in the squad Agreed. and, and a hat trick earns you the next game. So that's that's all I have to say. But for me, I think we win at 3-1. You're a little more optimistic than I am. I know that we just beat Luton and we should be buzzing. And we were buzzing and we are buzzing. Wolves give me a little bit of an itch. I think they're a kind of team that can be a bogey team almost. They do set themselves up to be very compact they fight on the counter with players like Traore and Neto. And I know they're missing someone like Pudence, but you just never know with a club like Wolves. I'd like to be more conservative. I don't care at this point in the season to win 3-4 nail and just go attacking and fluid. I just want to see solid and really just go for a, a professional, probably that's the right word, a professional performance in, in a one nail. And I, that would make me ecstatic, honestly. And, and that's very possible. Like we said, Wolves are missing some attacking players. So uh, their goal threat is a little reduced than it, what, what it has been. But 
I think if we get that first goal, it almost forces them to come out. And hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that if that happens, then we can push in further and, and get a couple more. Absolutely. So that kind of covers the next game for Chelsea. It's going to be a, a big game to watch. So you and I will both be tuned in and trying to figure out what happens. But really quickly, let's move on to a couple of other games that are coming down. And a big one, in my opinion, and definitely you would probably think the same, is Everton versus Leicester. What do you think about that one? Exciting game. It's, it's two informed teams, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what, what happens in this. So just a quick thing. I've heard that Jamie Vardy is actually out injured, and I've said this before. Leicester looked like a completely different team without their talisman and Vardy. But James Madison has really taken the mantle recently, pushing this team forward, scoring goals. Absolutely exciting. I personally think that Carlo Ancelotti will just set himself up for the win, and I think Everton are going to win this one 2-0. Which they did exactly in the reverse fixture. They wanted 2-0. And I, I still think Leicester may pull something out. So I'm going for a 1-1. Okay, exciting. Absolutely exciting game. And then the next one we want to cover is the six-point relegation battle that you just touched on. Brighton versus Fulham. This is a huge game for both of them. And I really don't know which way this is going to go. So I would like to hear you first. And I can kind of make an informed decision from there. It's definitely a huge game, and I, I think it's bigger for Brighton in that they already sit a game uh, play more played than Fulham, so they want to open up a gap, and they need a result in this. So I think Fulham win this, though, 2-1. They, they want to get the two defeats they had against Chelsea and Manchester United out of their system, and, and what better way to do it than beat their closest rele- uh, relegation rival? Yeah, great analysis there. And your thinking behind that has given me the confidence to come up with a decision here because I was on the fence. I think Fulham can pip this one 1-0 based on everything you've said here. So again, it's a huge game and the fact that it doesn't actually mean six points, but those three points just give you that confidence and that breathing room to just push on from there. So another good game here is United versus Manchester United versus Sheffield United. And I don't know if there's much to talk about in this particular game. I almost feel bad bringing it up, but I feel like this is going to be a United thumping. What are your thoughts? I don't know about thumping, but I definitely think United will win it. Sheffield will stay tight, but they just don't have the goals going forward. I feel like I say that about a lot of teams, but that's just the case for the teams at the bottom. So I think United win it 2-0. Okay. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I think Manchester United take this one 3-0. I think they've been in good form just coming off a beating of Liverpool. I I think they're just going in the right direction. So 3-0 for me. The last game we need to touch on, and this is a heavy hitter if there is ever one for this particular weekend, and that is Tottenham Hotspurs versus Liverpool. And before you jump in on this one, Liverpool have been up and down. They've been inconsistent. They're coming off a loss. And every time I've said these words on this particular podcast, Liverpool turn around and (laughs) basically destroy the next team. So given that, I would like to hear your honest opinion now. I think Tottenham win it and and pile on the misery for Klopp and Liverpool. And it's going to be exactly what it was at Anfield where Liverpool have all the ball and all the possession. And Tottenham just wait for the counterattacking and, and uh, a chance to to hit them with Son and, and Bergwijn and Kane and, and 
they do that mainly because Liverpool's confidence is a little shot right now. They aren't winning games. They're conceding a bunch of goals. And so Jose Mourinho will, will be ready for this game. And, and he'll, I think he'll win it 2-1. 2-1. Okay. I think that's a good prediction. And I think your analysis is spot on as to how this will go. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit in the fact that I think whenever we've criticized Liverpool on this particular podcast, they seem to either listen, whether it's the players or Jurgen Klopp, and they want to turn it around. Like I said, this is a heavy, heavy hitter of a game because Tottenham have a game in hand. So this win not only means that they still have a game in hand, it means that they go over Liverpool with a game in hand. So I think it's actually vital for Liverpool. I think they're going to know that. As much as we've said players should not tune in to specific social media or watch the table or whatnot, they know what's going on. And I think they're going to turn it up for this one. And I think Liverpool will beat Tottenham Hotspur 2-0. Wow. No goals for Tottenham Hotspur. No goals for Tottenham Hotspur. So we'll see how that plays out right now. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be exciting nonetheless. Either way, if it's a prediction on your side or my side, it doesn't mean much to us as far as Chelsea fans go. But for the neutral, it's exciting because it's a wonderful game with attacking talent on show. And if you're a Liverpool fan or Spurs fan, tune in. You're going to have a blast of a game. Agreed. All right. Um, let's move on. We have one more segment to cover for this particular podcast. We've done this before. We've asked for feedback. We've got a lot of good feedback. And in fact, some of you fans are sending us in messages with some of these transfer rumors. And we really, really appreciate it. It actually saves us time on doing the research and analysis. So continue to do that. Let us know what some of these rumors and transfer confirmations are. And we will definitely use them in this particular segment that we do. So really quickly, I touched on this particular player recently, and that is Fikayo Tamori. It is confirmed. He has gone out on loan to AC Milan with the option to purchase for 30 million euros. And Rahul and I are both massive fans of Tamori. You've heard Rahul complain about Rudiger on this particular show, whether you like him or hate him, but Tamori is the youth. He's a Chelsea boy through and through. And I think What's irritating Rahul the most is the buy clause. So Rahul, just really quickly confirm your thoughts on this one. I'm irritated. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated that we have put in a buy clause because let him go on loan. That's fine. Six months. Let him come back at the end of the season. But why put in a clause where if he does well, AC Milan, like, yep, we'll pick him up. Yeah. And then in two seasons, we'll sell him to Manchester City and make a profit and make Chelsea look stupid. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I hear the frustration in your voice, my friend. I get it. It is a difficult one to swallow. I almost wonder if Chelsea have seen Mark Gui performing well in the championship, and maybe he might be the next one to come through, or Malangsar. But it, time will tell where this plays out, and we've been burnt in the past with certain transfers like this, so we'll watch and see. Another one with terms of Wolves is William Jose has been confirmed as a transfer. Now, he is a striker. Wolves need a striker. They've been struggling in that department. I do not know if he will play against Chelsea. I, for one, hope he does not play against Chelsea. We need to make sure we get this win. And just any firepower they lack will be good for us. So they have confirmed that. And good luck to Wolves. Maybe can pull them further up the table. Another one, Rahul. This one is extremely interesting to me. And I don't know where he fits in the Arsenal team. Martin Odegaard has been confirmed on a six-month loan to Arsenal. And Martin Odegaard is the wonder central attacking midfielder coming out of Real Madrid for lack of game time. So 
Give me your feedback on that one. It's an exciting signing in that he's a youngster. He's done okay in, in his moves where he's gone on loan from Madrid. But I don't understand why Arsenal are going for him versus someone more experienced and more creative. It it just seems like he was available and they were like, you know what? Let's just give it a shot six months and, and we'll see what happens. But it doesn't make sense in that by the time he settles and adjusts to the Premier League, he's going to be back to Madrid. Completely agree with you, but I have heard that a call was made by Arteta because he was very, very interested in this particular player. So it remains to be seen how he will use him, if he will use him, because Odegaard has come here on the pretense that he will play. So if he does, it'll be interesting to watch this young man. He's a great talent and see how he performs for Arsenal. It will, and it, it definitely pushes some of the other youngsters in this squad a little more. I'm thinking of Emil Smith-Rowe. But for and Emil Smith-Rowe, who's been doing well, Arsenal go out and loan this youngster from another league doesn't send the right message. I 100% agree with you, my friend, but this is what the news is saying. Really quickly, moving on to another one. I don't know much about this particular transfer. It's actually one a fan sent in to us. Morgan Sanson is on the transfer rumor list for Aston Villa. I was told that this is confirmed. I've looked around. I cannot confirm that just yet, but it's for a fee of $14 million. He seems to be an attacking midfielder. Again, another one where I'm not sure where it fits in with the players like Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley and what it means for a player like Ross Barkley, who just came back from an injury and scored. So I'm not sure where this is going to go, but it seems like Aston Villa have some sort of pathway going forward. And the last one to cover that we found out this week is Eric Garcia, which this has been you know, going on forever. Eric Garcia of Manchester City has got a pre-contract agreement in place for a Bosman if you listen to us, you know what a Bosman is, for a Bosman to go to Barcelona. And that is going to be exciting for them. He's a wonderful talent going in Barcelona, looking for a steady, solid center back. Yeah, he's 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 been good and he's been playing well for City. I don't know why they're letting him go, but it may be more of a, a bigger picture deal from Messi where they're giving Barcelona a youngster that they've wanted and and I don't know well I don't know but works for Garcia he wants to go City are letting him go for free Barcelona get him for free good deal for everyone and you heard the Messi rumor here first by Rahul (laughs) all right Rahul that's all I have for you this week as far as the transfer rumors goes if you guys like this particular segment and it seems like you do, just continue sending us your transfer rumors and letting us know that you're enjoying this particular segment. But it is a lot of fun telling you guys what's going on in the world of transfers. And we only have about a week left, so we'll we'll kind of review it at the end of the week. And we'll be back later this week, do a quick uh, review of the match week 20 and then a preview of 21, which is right around the corner, like a lot of games this weekend. But as always, thank you for listening. We love your feedback, and, and we continue to encourage you to send us your feedback uh, on Twitter and Instagram at the Premier Chels. And if you haven't already, subscribe, like, comment, leave us reviews at the Premier Chels on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back later this week. So thank you, guys. Thank you all. Bye.